There's so many people in the syndication game right now. They've gone out and learned how to syndicate deals and they're creating offering memorandums that there's so much fluff in them. They're making a bad deal look good. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high octane boost of full on reality therapy for personal, business, and investing success with your host, Ron Phillips, because somebody's got to tell it like it is. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Get Real Podcast. Ron Phillips here with Heather Marchant. Happy Monday. Oh, man. It's so bit like Heather and I were just talking about the fact that we are busier than ever. <laughs> we are. I'm sure that we're not going to complain about that. It's a good thing. And at the same time, I'm at a stage in my life where I don't like to be that busy. And yeah. yet I am. Here I am. So we're going to get some things off of our plates. I encourage you guys to do the same thing. Just finish some things up. Mm-hmm. Give you a little uh, piece that I learned many, many years ago from Brian Tracy. He had a rule called touch it once rule. So you don't pull something off of your desk, look at it and put it down somewhere else. Touch it once, get it done, get it out of the way. In times like this, that's a good suggestion. That is not what we're going to talk about today, though. That just came to my mind. Yeah, Brian Tracy takes you way back. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I used to have Brian Tracy on cassette tape, listen to to him in the car. So I just got back from Mastermind, Heather, and we were talking about that. And the reason is because Ron Legrand was there and... Robert Allen was there. Now I have, I don't have either one of their courses, but I do have uh, two or three of Robert Allen's books. And anyway, they were talking about the fact that when they made them, they had cassette tapes Hmm. and then they moved to DVDs. And I'm thinking, yeah, like my first courses that I bought were cassette tapes and then DVDs and then CDs and then DVDs. And then everything moved online. Yeah. Yeah. MP3s for like a hot minute. (laughs) Unreal. Unreal. Yeah, we're getting Anyways, old. We're going to talk about real estate deals today. Specifically, like I have been getting people sending me deals. And I know, same thing, Heather. We were just mm-hmm. talking about this the other day. People are sending us deals and going, hey, these look good. Are these good deals? They yeah. look good. And 100% of the time, I say, send me the numbers. I'll run a pro forma for you. So right. it's the same as our pro forma, the way it's laid out. So that way it's really easy to compare. And very rarely, I mean, they'll still be a good deal. It's not like they're gone, but yeah. This week I had, a, I think I texted you, Ron. I was like, OMG, <laughs> like, look at this deal. This is so, so bad, so bad. <laughs> and I think they run the gamut. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. those were big deals, right? They were houses yeah. or duplexes. It was or a, a small multifamily, yeah. I was sent a deal the other day, so just kind of, break the ice on this thing. I sent a deal by a a friend of mine and he was like, Hey man, this looks like a really good deal. And I took out the offering memorandum. I started to go through it and I kind of breeze past all the stuff that maybe other people read, which is all of the, all the flash, right? All of the, uh, what businesses are around it and everything else like that. Let's just get down to the nuts and bolts. Let's look at the numbers on this deal. Yeah. I start to look at the numbers and I'm like, wow, this actually does at first glance, because I'm a skimmer. I mean, I'm an admitted skimmer and sometimes that gets me in trouble when I read like Heather's emails or something that can get me in trouble, but I'm a skimmer. And so I skim through the financials really quick. I skim through what they said and I'm like, okay, this is legit. 
This actually could be a good deal. <laughs> and so I understand why my friend sent it to me. He's, you know, you can buy this thing and it's a value add. You can do this. They've proved the uh, rent numbers by about five different units that they've turned. All these other units you can turn. And then the thing turns into like an 8% or an 8.5% cap rate. And I'm like, what? Seriously, I can buy this thing and I can turn it into an 8.5% cap rate. That's a home run. I'm going to do it. I mean, mm -hmm. not a home run, but it gets me on base at least. It's a good deal, especially in today's market. My gosh, if I can find something like that, it's a home run. Because over time, I'll turn it into, you know, probably a 9 or a 10% cap rate. Yeah. Then I actually started to dig into the numbers a little bit further. <laughs> no more breezing over the numbers. Now, I didn't really get into the tax numbers and all that stuff because you have to go look on the website. I'm sure that they didn't increase the taxes and stuff like that. I didn't even get into that because I didn't need to. Yeah. There was a pretty glaring error in the offering memorandum. Which means that these people had a glaring error in their numbers and they didn't even realize it because they're trying <laughs> to sell this property now. The reality of the situation is after I pointed this out to the guy selling it, he was like, oh, okay, well, we're still firm on our numbers, which means some moron's going to buy this deal. Yes. And, and not notice. don't really care. Yeah. Somebody's going to buy it. So the challenge was this. I don't have it in front of me, but let's just say that the capital expenditures to bring this thing up to current were $2 million. Well, the very simple mistake that they made in the offering memorandum is that they put all the numbers on there. They like they disclosed it's going to be $2 million. This is based on what we've spent in the units that we've rehabbed. And then when they recalculated the cap rate, after you do that and you add the income in and all that stuff drives, everything's looking good. The problem is that they made they they divided the net operating income by the mm -hmm. purchase price and they forgot to add in 2 million, million dollars, dollars. Of capital expenditures. <laughs> if we could like put an exclamation on that. I mean, let's just pause for That's a second crazy. and realize just how big of a mistake that is, okay? I'm not even sure they corrected it after I told them. Yeah. They kind of were like nonchalant. Okay, well, I mean, it's still a good deal. Actually, no. No, it's um, not actually. It's not a good deal because what they really wanted me to do was pay around a six and a half percent cap rate for this older. It's not a brand new property, so it's it's probably worth right now about a six and a half percent cap rate. But if the financials were actually what they were reporting, they would be after you spend two million dollars. So. They wanted me to pay them a 6.5% cap rate, then do all of the work to bring it to a 6.5% cap rate, which is remarkable. I mean, it's remarkable. Yeah. I'm not really sure. I'm really sure what more to say about that. But when you get these offering memorandums and they're all pretty and everything looks great, don't just assume that whoever created that thing knows what they're doing because... I get a lot of them and a lot of people don't. Yeah. I think that it's easy to put lipstick on a pig and make the numbers sound better. And maybe they didn't do that on purpose. But the one I had this week, it was, okay, here's all my numbers. And I got given, the interesting part is I was given taxes, insurance, and what was the other one? Taxes, insurance. It was all the utilities, owner paid utilities. Total were 550. And I said, can you break that number out for me? Because I knew I was going to run it through our master insurance policy in part to see if I could help it perform better for him. But that's what made him stop and dig into the numbers. 
And so he said, well, yeah, give me a second. He gave me insurance. Then he gave me the owner paid utilities. And then last he went, oh, <laughs> he said, wait a minute, these taxes aren't right then. And I said, that's what I had a feeling because I knew the market was a really expensive market and only 550 for all three of those things for a multi-unit deal. I was going, <laughs> that seems a little low. And that's when he paused. And so instead of 550 for all three, just the taxes were 1600. And he said, mm. crap, that just killed all the cash flow." And I was like, well stated. I think is what I might've said exactly or something. <laughs> and we could bring down the insurance cost with the master insurance policy, but not and enough to make that a good deal. How did he get the taxes? Did he go back to the seller and say, what are the taxes for real? Because these are no, there's no way these are right. He is in the lending industry. So I think he may have just gone online and looked at what the tax and calculated uh, them himself. And he said, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense anymore. And he was ready to pull the trigger. I wasn't steering him one way or the other. I was just presenting what we had and other opportunities. Facts, facts <laughs> so, are just really pesky little things. Man. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. So if everyone's roping in a bunch of numbers together, check in each individual number to make sure you're getting the right number. So. Yeah, and so on the taxes, to Heather's point, there's something that's commonly overlooked. And that is that, especially when you're looking at a deal that is many hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars, you've got to look at what the people paid for it. That's what their taxes are based on generally. Yeah. And then you have to look at what you're paying for it. And you have to recalculate the taxes because you're going to get reassessed at some point. Mm -hmm. And every municipality is different about how they go about reassessing. Some of them do it every year. Some of them do it on a sale. Some of them do it every two years. And I've heard of 10 in a couple markets, which is... Yeah, I mean, it's just, you have to look that stuff up and you cannot believe anything that you mm -hmm. hear from whoever's trying to sell you the property because it just, as this deal, it's just not yeah. accurate. It's just not accurate. And if somebody bought a property for $150,000 in 2012 and it's now worth eight hundred, dollars and you figure the taxes based on the $150,000, you are going to be sorely... Yeah. I mean, it, it's going to hurt bad when you get your tax reassessment. So just yeah. make sure that you understand all of that stuff. I um, will add another one for that too, is you have your homestead tax. So if you as an owner occupy the property and then sell it as an investment property, there's a tax credit that you don't get as an investor. And so it's usually like double what they've been paying. So we watch for that on all of our properties. It is really difficult to know exactly what the assessed value will come in at at a future date in most counties, unless it's based off the purchase price. Um, otherwise, you're kind of just taking a good guess, but we do mm -hmm. our best to guess and see, okay, well, it's not homestead tax because it's a rental property. So we've got a no tax credit, I mean, and let's bump up you know, the assessed value and see where this is going to land. So it is kind of in some ways a guessing game, but you can overestimate for sure. Another thing, like I get these a lot. Actually, I was talking to another multifamily friend of mine and we run a phone call with some other folks, some other real estate folks. And we got into this rant about these horrible deals that are being, there's so many people in the syndication game right now. They've gone out and learned how to syndicate deals and they're creating offering memorandums that there's so much fluff in them. They're making a bad deal look good. And let me give you another, for instance, about how this works, right? Or something that maybe you should look at. And really, 
if you're a syndicator and you're listening to this, you should pay attention because if you don't know this, you're going to hurt yourself and all of your investors if you don't understand how this works. I'm looking at this offering memorandum right now and the purchase price, I mean, I think they're buying this thing at like a four and a half percent cap rate. Okay. Oh my Which, God. I mean, yeah. I don't know how you make the numbers work. Like if you have to have everything spot on. Now, I already told you guys, we bought one that was a negative return. It was losing money. But we knew what our other numbers were. And we knew what the problems were with the property. So I'm not trying to suggest you can't buy a 4.5% cap rate property and make it work. But this property is has a very high occupancy. The purchase price puts them around a 4.5% cap rate. But then they're going to put like $2 million into the property They've got a bunch of uh, fees and everything. By the time they're done, they're going to be all in around 23 million after all their expenses to upgrade these units. Now, when they do that, they are going to increase the rents. And over the next four years of operating this way, the net operating income is going to go from somewhere around 900,000 to somewhere around 1.6 million. So, I mean, it's a substantial jump. And they've mostly done that through raising rents. doesn't look like anything really happened to the operating expenses of, of the business. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, <laughs> five years from now, what they're banking on for this entire deal to work is that the cap rates are going to remain somewhere around five to five and a half percent. Now, currently, you could sell at a five yeah. to five and a half percent cap rate. But what makes these people think that in five years, they know that the cap rates are going to remain five and a half percent? Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, they're likely not going to go lower. So if it moves 1%, it basically eliminates all of the gains that they've made in five years. So if in five years, the cap rates are now six and a half percent, not five and a half percent, they've basically broke even. You mean like the going cap rate of what people are selling for, right? Correct. I think in the next like one or two years, we're probably not going to see a whole lot of of movement in that, but it certainly could if interest rates go up. You can't keep paying five and a half percent cap rate for a property if the interest rates go up dramatically. Yeah. So if the interest rates go up dramatically, which I think a lot of people feel like they might, at least a percentage point or maybe a percent and a half over the next couple of years. If that happens, people can't keep paying mm-hmm. four and a half, five and a half percent cap rates. And so as the cap rate starts to inch north, if you have banked on current cap rates with nothing in the economy changing, nothing in the real estate world changing, and you've based a $23 million deal with investors on cap rates remaining constant, you're in trouble. Yeah. That means you can't pay pref. And look, if it moves two percentage points, I'll figure the numbers on it real quick, but I think we're going to lose some money on the deal, right? Yeah, you can't. I mean, our market right now, I think everyone in the country knows that it's pretty insane, right? What, how competitive it is to buy property. It's nonstop talked about on social media. Yep. Uh, so you can't assume that we're going to have this same feeding frenzy on property for what was it? Five years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, five years. Insane. Now, 
there's a couple of other problems here too. But if it goes, if if the, if it moves two percentage points, if the cap rate moves two percentage points, you lose two million dollars on this deal. Two million dollars, right? So not only do you not pay pref, but your investors start losing money because your your raise on this deal. Um, I'll have to go back up here and look. I can't remember exactly what the raise is, but it's got to be like three or four million. So people are going to lose like half their money mm-hmm. on this deal. Now the other thing is that they're getting a bridge loan to do all of these repairs for the first year. Mm-hmm. So in the first year, they're also banking on get, on refinancing at 3.7%. Oh my gosh. Which, why would anyone think in a year from now you could refinance a multifamily property at 3.7%? Wow. As you stated, Heather, like loans are changing yeah. literally every day. Every single day can't keep tr- we can't keep our pro formas accurate because the the interest rates are changing constantly so uh, guys just like use critical thinking and yeah. if you don't understand do what my friends are doing here right they my friends will text me hey my, my buddy sent me this he's about ready to invest in this property can you look at it really quick and tell me if he's going to make a half a million dollar mistake yes Yes, this is potentially a big, <laughs> yes, a big, big mistake. mistake. <laughs> Maybe even bigger than a half million. Holy <sighs> cow. So anyway, um, just there's so many, and this happened before. Like I remember, yeah. I re- Heather, were you at any of these meetings in California when the people were just absolutely losing their crap? Yes. Only a handful though. I will never forget the absolute frenzy that I saw during 2007. I mean, people lost their minds. It was, it was almost like uh, you see people in an auction. Mm. Sometimes they just, they, they want it so bad. They, they literally lose their minds. Um, They were buying properties without all of the information off of a presentation on stage and the properties had negative cash flow. Now we're not quite there, but now we're talking about large chunks of money that that you don't even own the property, and you're trusting these syndicators, and the syndicators' numbers are so poorly put together. Be careful. Yeah, be careful out there. So what what what, what should hype you can get away from? Heather, us. We, yeah, I'm sorry. What'd you say? I just said hype can get help get away from us with uh, oh. having sticking to your rules. So, um. I mean, what, what should they be? I mean, we've even seen compression of, of, of our returns. I mean, yeah. we, what was it? Um, three, four years ago, we were high teens. Yeah. Cash on cash returns. It was beautiful. We loved it. I mean, it was incredible. It was incredible. <laughs> and we can't get. When everybody hears us that we're buying. I'm generally not getting 18 to 20 per cash ROI on the properties I'm buying right now. Mm-mm. Me either. But, but I am getting all four returns and we can take appreciation out right now. Cause if, if the market actually decided to flatten out, which I don't think it's going to, but if it did, well, you still got three and those three returns yeah. add up to a pretty substantial double digit return. For me, my depreciation is, a big motivator for me. That's what I said to my husband last night. I said, 
We just have to be focused because otherwise come tax time next year, I'm going to be hating life if I don't stay focused on my goals of acquiring property this year and not just, you know, spending more and more money, trying to be more conservative on our spending so that we can continue to hedge against all of the tax liability that's out hanging in the balance for us. Yeah. And I mean, so don't miss, don't misunderstand what Heather just said, because, um, she didn't say she's buying bad deals for tax benefits. Yes. That's not what she said. You want me to repeat? Staying focused. Well, that's what I, said. I was just trying to figure out like, I don't know if that's clear. A, a, a deal with a 10% cash on cash return is a, is a good, that's a really yes. good deal. You know, eight to 10%, you're still cash flowing really well. The property is still going to take care of itself. And oh, by the way, yeah, other gets a, a big tax write off. Yes. And oh, by the way, still got somebody in the house paying off the mortgage. Right. So, yeah. I guess my point was that those other rates of return are attractive enough that they can also be a focus, is what I mean. I don't compromise my principles of cash flow, but I am definitely, that is a big focus. Otherwise, I give most of my income to the government. So, yep. I completely get it. I completely get it. Well, so uh, I think that's every week we tell you guys to go out there and make something happen. Don't ever confuse that with um, making something stupid happen. We're certainly not telling you to do that. So make smart happen. We should, yes. we should change our pay attention to what we're saying and go make something happen. Hopefully, like Heather said, something smart happen. That's right. Okay. So until next time, go out there and make something uh, intelligent happen. Everybody. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. See ya. Until next time. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.